0: Who will bear witness to the Holocaust after all the survivors are gone? How do we know the Torah is true after 3,000 years? Welcome to The Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 89, and we learn the power of passing on true testimony from one witness to another, precisely as you heard it. Welcome to The Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my chavrisa today. I like to begin with a story. Professor Deborah Lipstadt is the most prominent scholar on the terrible phenomenon of Holocaust denial. After publishing her monumental work denying the Holocaust, she was sued by UK activist David Irving for libel for condemning many of his writings and public statements as Holocaust denial. English libel law places the burden of proof on the defendant rather than the plaintiff. Lipstadt and her publisher Penguin won the case by demonstrating that her accusations against Irving were substantially true and therefore not libelous. The presiding judge produced a written judgment, 349 pages long, detailing Irving's systematic distortion of the historical record of the Shoah. In reporting the events, the Times declared, "'History has had its day in court and scored a crushing victory.'" The Germans initially kept detailed records of their heinous crimes, but as it became increasingly clear that the Allied powers were closing in, they systematically destroyed all the documentation and physical evidence of their genocidal activities. Following the Shoah, the surest evidence of the Nazi massacre was the testimony of the survivors who had personally witnessed the carnage. With each passing year, however, we see fewer and fewer Holocaust survivors at Yom HaShoah commemorations. Before long, all the survivors will have passed on. When that happens, who will bear witness to the horrors of the Shoah? Let's look at today's Gemara. Says the Mishnah, If a woman produced a get and it was unaccompanied by a ketubah asking for her divorce payout, it is sufficient and she collects payment of her ketubah psalm. If she produced the ketubah but had no accompanying get and she says, I lost my get and he says, I lost my receipt... And likewise, in a case of a creditor who produced a promissory note after the sabbatical year, unaccompanied by a prusible document preventing the annulment of the debt, these debts may not be collected. Mishima Gamaliel says, from the time of danger onward, a woman may collect payment of her Ktuba sum without the get, and a creditor may collect debts without a prusible. Says Rashi, the Gentile rulers made decrees against the performance of mitzvahs and they were scared to hold on to their get documents. As soon as they received them, they would burn them and similarly their prusables. Let's analyze the Gemara. When a married couple gets divorced, the husband must pay the wife a sum of money agreed to when they were originally married and recorded in the ketubah on the wedding day. The Mishnah discusses a case where a woman claims that the divorce proceedings have taken place, but she has not yet been paid the sum owed to her. Without a get in hand, she is unable to collect payment. Um, Shemingam Leal says that there were times in history when it just wasn't possible to produce the get. When anti-Semitic rulers decreed against the performance of mitzvahs, it was dangerous to hold on to any ritual items, including the get document. And so as soon as such documents were written, as the halakha prescribes, they would immediately destroy them. How then could the ex-wife collect her debt in such a situation? All she needed to do was present witnesses who could testify that the divorce took place. We see from here that human testimony is more powerful than any physical documentation. Documents may be destroyed, but witnesses are able to testify that they saw the event take place. As long as the witnesses remain present, the evidence of their testimony is much stronger than a piece of paper. Undoubtedly, they could bear false witness, but a document may also be forged. The advantage of human over physical evidence is twofold. First, as we see here in the Mishnah, it's easier to destroy physical evidence than human witnesses. And second, physical evidence often only exists in the form of one or two documents. After all, how many copies are needed when a transaction happens? And even when multiple copies of the document are presented, it doesn't serve as any stronger evidence. They're simply copies of the same original document. By contrast, human testimony often consists of multiple witnesses. By its very nature, the existence of multiple human accounts strengthens the evidence as the facts are corroborated when the various witnesses agree. Human perception and memory are frail and open to distortion, and so when multiple witnesses all attest to the same facts having taken place, the evidence becomes unassailable. But nobody lives forever. What happens to the evidence when the witnesses eventually die? they can transfer the testimony to other human beings. If they present the facts to other witnesses, the new witnesses may testify to the facts that they heard from the first witnesses. Once again, if multiple witnesses corroborate the same set of heard facts and there's no conflicting evidence, then their testimony becomes irrefutable evidence. When countless Shoah survivors all tell the same story of the Nazi genocide, the evidence is irrefutable. Sadly, over the next few years, we will lose the last of the Shoah survivors, but their passing doesn't mean the demise of human testimony. Those who have heard the testimony then become witnesses with a responsibility to convey the testimony of the Shoah to the world at large and to the next generation, who will in turn become witnesses. As long as we tell the stories precisely as we've heard them, the evidence will remain unassailable. That's how our Masora, our tradition, has operated for three millennia. Our ancestors witnessed the miracles of the Exodus and the giving of the Torah at Sinai. They conveyed their testimony to their children, who in turn passed the evidence on to their children. For 3,000 years we've been telling the same story corroborated by Jews around the world, who all sit at the annual Passover Seder table and bear witness to the testimony of their parents. We then pledge to convey the evidence precisely to our children and grandchildren. Even when the reform movement began in the 19th century, its founders didn't arise and claim they'd heard a different story from their parents. No, the story was the same. They just felt it was time for Judaism to modernize. But all Jews agree about the basic facts of the story. To deny the truth of the exodus means effectively accusing one's own parents or grandparents of fabricating evidence and bearing false witness. You are a witness to history. You have a personal responsibility to convey to the next generation the stories that you heard from your parents and from Shoah survivors. Make sure you listen closely and attentively. Your testimony must be as precise as possible. May you forever be a true and faithful witness to every detail of the colossal events of our nation's greatest and most tragic moments. Wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Daf Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Daf Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Kama,ra every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe to achieving a life of simcha and purpose transform your life today the transformative daf is published by mosaica press and available at all good jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com thank you the transformative daf